Speaking to the Nameless, Episode 3. Well then, I think in your case, there is something in me that wishes I'd said some things to you. And from my point of view, it's very clear to me that I never offered you advice. I never tried to change you. I never judged you. I never told you what to do with your life. I never intervened. I never really did anything. I really just accepted you for how you are in a very strange and distant sort of way because we were, well, we were relating in quite strange circumstances, quite an absurd kind of arrangement or scenario in which we kept bumping into each other. And... Well, right right now I'm feeling sad to be thinking about you. And there's really a lot of memories that I have and I don't know. Well, I never really know where to begin. And and really with a lot of the relationships, maybe maybe with all of the relationships in my life it's it's very strange when I think about it. It's it's quite absurd the the what, what do I say? The environment or the life circumstances that brought us to be bumping into each other—they're they're, quite—they're they're very strange. And I always maintained that I would stay out of your life. I wouldn't pry. I wouldn't judge or make a comment or anything like that. And I don't know how you would have taken it if I had have been like that. I couldn't, I couldn't see any way in which I could do that without it being a very big thing, without it being dramatic. And do I think that there was a chance you would turn around and say, stay out of my life and don't give me advice? I think there was probably a small chance of that, but it's it's more likely that if I had have approached it right, you would have understood that I was coming at it from a place of caring. But then there's the there's also the other part of me that thinks, well, it's not my job. I don't know if it is for me to offer you advice or to say what I see. And what do you think of me? Well, I imagine to you I was a bit of a ghost. I was a bit of a a nobody, a mystery. 
And also, you probably thought I was a bit weird, a bit eccentric. And that's just something about me. I'm a bit of a quirky sort of person, so that's understandable. And there was part of me that enjoyed being a ghost. I like to be quiet. I like to be mysterious. And the thing is that I do know the vastness and the depth and the complexity of what I am. And there have been times when I've tried to hide that because I feel that revealing it to someone like you would serve as a contrast to your own life which might not be helpful. And maybe that's just an elaborate way of me trying to influence your life. And I don't know how much you sensed about me. I don't know what you saw in me. And there is a part of me that sort of enjoyed like this thing of this this huge, this huge personality, this big mind, big heart, all these astonishing discoveries that were happening. And they're happening to a person right next to you, right in front of your face, and you have no idea about it. You don't even have the slightest inkling as to what's going on. And there was a bit of a thrill for me in that. There's a, there's a there's enjoy in being mysterious because you get to be like the wizard. You get to be the, well, you get to be a ghost. And so many things were happening that you didn't see. And I don't know how you would have taken them or how I would have ever explained them to you. Now, there is one person who I've seen you relate with the most. And it's quite petty, really, how you relate to that person. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain there. I hear that there's a lot of tension. And that's only going to get worse as things get happen more and, and life unfolds more. And I don't want to say too much about that person. But you know who I mean and you know what I'm talking about. And, and uh, look, I have to say, just, just brace yourself for a moment and take this as a... Take this as not a true comment, but a, a story or a, uh, not a story, but a, take this as a question that I'm, I've been very reluctant to ask because of how much it might trigger in you. But I, I'm being honest here. I'm, half, I'm digging deep here. So I'm going to ask you the question, which I think is, Oh, look, I'm just going to ask you. 
I'm just, how do I say this? Has anyone ever thought that you're a fucking asshole? Do you think that there are people in your life that would ascribe that to you? Just this downright fucking asshole. And the reason I'm so reluctant to bring this up is because, well, well I think there is. And to, to a certain extent, I even thought this about you. I really thought, why? Why are you talking this way? Why are you acting this way? Why are you treating the people in your life this way? You're just a fucking asshole. And of course, when, whenever I thought that, there was also something in me that thought, hang on, just slow down. Don't judge so much. You don't know this person as well as you think you do. You're only looking at surface things. There's only so much you can surmise from relating to someone. In, in a way, it was... Well, well it, it really comes back to a more fundamental question, like, did I know you? Or did I not? Did I really see the real you? And of course, it's not a black and white question with a black and white answer. All I can say is that I did hear the way you spoke. I did see your behaviors. And I was in your presence for some time. And that's all I've got to go off. And I really thought you were just not a very nice person. And that was my honest... Uh, that was my honest image of you for a long time. And then one day, there was a very strange mix-up. A happenstance mix-up. That happened by mistake, and it's very... This is really bizarre that this could have happened between us, but basically some paperwork got mixed up. And some of your paperwork got mixed in with my paperwork. Now, as it happened at the time, there was a lot of paperwork in my life, so... And I think maybe in yours as well, I don't know, but I can sort of see... I can see how it happened, but also it was very strange that it happened... And this piece of paper came across my desk, which was for you, and it was a, a summary of a doctor's appointment. And the summary said that you were depressed and that you had anger issues and that you were stressed. And when I saw that piece of paper and I realized what it was, something shifted in me, which was that, no, you're not an asshole. You're actually a victim. The reason you are the way you are is because you've been hurt. 
The reason you are the way you are is because you haven't had enough support. You haven't had enough help. And that really twisted things for me. Because I had been, well, I guess I, I was being the asshole because I was judging you. So really I should judge myself. <laughs> I could turn it around and say, well, I'm the asshole for calling you an asshole. And it was such a sudden moment to sit there at my desk with that piece of paper. To realize that there was a sensitive side to you. There was a hurt side of you. There was a deeper place where these frustrations were coming from. So what should I do? What, what did I do? I did nothing. I kept being the ghost. I kept just holding to my own privacy, keeping my distance. And I believe I was able to shuffle that paperwork back to you without saying something. Now I, I did have the I did have the fantasy of saying, well, this is my opportunity to break the ice. I can go to you and say, This paperwork has come across by accident. And I noticed this and I had this revelation and I had this story. Look, I used to think you were a bad person and now I see that you're a victim. And something's really opened up for me. And do you want to talk? Do you want do you want me to like do you want me to throw you a lifeline in a sense? And to be honest, I don't know if I wanted to do that. I don't know if I was ready myself. The the place where I was at that time, I don't know if I was ready to stand up and say, Hey, I'll be your savior. Hey, I'll be the one to help you. And maybe I thought you were a lost cause. Maybe I thought there was no chance that you were so deeply stuck in all the stuff. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's relationships. It's your family history. It's your life. Whatever's happened to you in your life. I don't know any of that. Maybe I thought that whole thing was just this big web of knots it's just a big ball of knots and that's how it looks on the outside if i was to really i, I feel like that moment of hey i'm your lifeline let me help you I, I feel like there would be a chance that that would be followed with with just too much it's too big of a job like how big of a job is it for someone to save you how big of a job is it for someone to help you? Do they have to help you with all of your problems? Do they have to help you with just... Like, think think it through. Like, I'm thinking it through now. Could, could it be that someone could help you with just a couple of your problems? Just a small amount of problems. Could we break it off into bite-sized pieces? And maybe the nature of the issues is that it's all connected and it is just life. It's all of life. It's what it means to exist 
is a big, fat problem. And I can see you've reached that point. You've reached that feeling at times when it's just like, ah, oh, it's just everything. Just everything is a pain. And so much of it snowballs. It's, it's such a snowball. Do you know the snowball effect? Because when you feel bad, it translates over into the things you say. And that translates into your relationships, which then flows into how you feel. And that cycle of your feelings and your relationships and the things you say just snowballs again and again and you can't you can't get out of that snowball by faking it you can't start saying things you can't start talking oh i'm going to talk positive well maybe maybe in your case a, a little bit of that would go a long way maybe you could do with some of that just be nice just talk and say nice things for once and don't put your the the grunge that you have inside out onto the world maybe that maybe that is enough to change the cycle to turn the snowball the other way because you realize the good thing about a snowball is it actually it it works not only in negative but it also works in positive so maybe if you can start talking more positively then you'll have better relationships and you'll start feeling more positive. And of course, relationships are very complicated things. They're dynamic things. It's not just a matter of always being rosy. And I get the sense that there are big things for you that won't be undone or resolved by just a few little psychological tricks And of course, it's long past my time to help you. And even there was a time after, later on, when I found out you were seeing a counsellor. You were having things happen to work towards a more positive you. And you had a booklet that you were working on, which was your personal development booklet, and you were doing some cognitive behavioral therapy and certain self-image work and self-esteem work. And you had your routine starting. And I want to say that those things are so important. They are so good for you and it is an incredibly powerful thing for you to get off on that track. And I would encourage you to complete that booklet. Do cognitive behavioral therapy. Keep going to your counselor. Keep opening up to them. Keep really digging in sincerely to your issues. And know that, well, actually, there are resources for you. There are ways you can be helped. 
and it might seem cheesy at the time. It might seem, I know self-image work that, or self-image and self-esteem work, it's, it's always a bit of a like, oh, do I really need this? Am I that pathetic? Am I that sad? Am I that much lost? You know, they're asking you questions like, what are 10 things you like about yourself? Or what are 10 things you say negatively about yourself? Or when was a time when you failed, but there was a positive? You know, these these sort of questions. It's easy to brush them off. It's easy to say, oh, it doesn't work. But really, it's just what you need. And really, it is, it's the beginning of a journey. It's a beginning of a step in the right direction. And one small step in the right direction can be monumental. It can be absolutely un, just, just astonishing for someone to do that, for someone to turn their life around. And you can still do that. You might get the feeling that you're too old. You might get the feeling that too much has happened. But you'll be surprised. Once you learn some things about other people's stories, then you'll be surprised at how much your life can change. And change deeply, not just on the surface level, but really deeply, just, just a deep resolve of your deepest traumas. Now, is it likely that you will find the techniques and the resources and the people that are willing to help you with that? Well, it's actually unlikely. Because these sorts of things, they don't turn up at your doorstep. These sorts of things don't reach out at you. You're not walking around with a big sign on your head that says, help me. Well, actually, in a sense, you are. But even if you walk around with a big sign on your head saying, help me, it doesn't mean that the right help is going to turn up. And it might be that the help turns up, but remains a ghost. It remains a mystery. And for whatever reason, for all these complex ins and outs of the environment and the relationship, it just doesn't happen that the help was there and the resources were there, but you didn't get them. For whatever reason, they didn't click with you. And I ask myself, now what... What would, I, what would I have done? Or like if I was to go back and then we say, okay, okay, let's say, let's say you do offer help, me. Say I do offer you help and say, okay, well, you're open to it and you do it, accept it. What would be the actual step? Like let's get tangible here. And well, well I'd have to think about it. I have to say, well, your, your primary relationship is one. And so that person would need to be on board. So you'd need a you'd need a, a heartfelt, mature conversation with that person as to frame this new direction that's going that you're going in. 
And then you'd need, I would say, continue your counseling and really be clear about your intentions with your counselor. Set your goals. Really be clear about your issues. Really think about your issues. And then we give you some techniques. So techniques might include writing a letter to write one letter to each person in your life that has hurt you. And really think it through and, and, and describe how you were hurt, why you were hurt, and how you wish things had have been different. And do that for every single person in your life who's ever hurt you. And then don't send it, but just wait a while and read it later, like a journal. Maybe that can be a component, a smaller component of a larger technique, which is your journal writing. So another big technique or a big thing that you can do is write your autobiography. Actually write down, sit down on the computer and write what, what, what happened when you were a child. What was your family like life? Life like. <laughs> what was your family life like? Sam, family life. And then what happened in school? What was it like to be a teenager? And so on and so forth. And, and describe some of the people in your life. Describe some of the things you did. And write it like a story from very young, the earliest memories you have, all the way up until now. And it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to get everything. And don't worry about spelling or anything of that. You, you, just, you just do it. Just let it out. And in that process, wow, you will gain so much. There'll be so much clarity for how your life turned out the way it did if you do that. And this is just some, some techniques like writing a journal, writing the letters, counseling. That's just a few techniques. Another one would be a certain kind of uh, structured conversation or more like a sort of group therapy to help with your interpersonal relationships. And you can do that either formally or informally depending on if you're, or if the people in your life are on board. And it might be as simple as, say, we've got a conversation topic today, which might be something as simple as, what are the things you feel I'm stopping you from doing? What are you preventing me from doing? And each person in the group says that about whoever they want in the group or everyone else in the group. And if it's just one-on-one -on -one with whoever it is in your life or whoever you choose to do this with, you can say it about each other. It doesn't take long. You say, what are you stopping me from doing? What are you holding me back from? How are you restricting me? And you can even do this by yourself and say, well, what would the people in my life, how would the people in my life answer that if it was asked of them? How am I restricting the people in my life? What am I stopping the people in my life from doing? And if I really just let go and let them do whatever they want, what would happen? 
And of course, it's only a thought experiment because there's a difference between a thought experiment or a interpersonal technique and actually living like that. So don't adopt it as an attitude for living. Because if you don't carry it off, things can go wrong. And people can always sense when, do you really mean what you say or not? Now, there are a lot of positive things that are available to you. And it wouldn't be too hard for you to do them, I don't think. But as it is, how you are now is that there's no way in. There's no way to approach this. There's no way to, there's no way to bring this up with you. And you are like, like what it's like to be around you. Like we've, we've, we've had conversations, but sort of, sort of not really. It's always, it's quite awkward. And, and you do this thing when I, when I talk to you, which is you sort of squint your eyes and, and, and you pull this funny face. And I can never work out, like, well, like what am I saying? Am I saying something wrong? Is, is what I'm saying affecting you in a negative way for some reason? And that's even just for basic things. Like, I can't imagine actually bringing all this up with you, actually saying this to you. And what's more is you're full of distractions. You're constantly feeding yourself with social media, with mass media, with internet, with movies, with TV, and with music. And I believe, I even remember you seeing you drive your car once or something or or hearing you drive your car and you you had the music blaring i could hear the music miles away it felt like and i thought well that just matches what you're like is there's always something blaring into your ears there's always something in your sensory perception which is loud and constant and jarring even if it's trash, and you're just filling yourself with this trash. And it's a distraction. And I think you do this because as soon as those things stop, you're left with your mind. You're confronted with your thoughts. And it's just garbage in there. And of course, it's not your fault. Of course, I can see you as the victim in this. I can see you as someone that needs help. And the way for someone to help you through that is to, well, first of all, it feels like there has to be some sort of confrontation or some big dramatic intervention of saying, hey, Turn off the media. Turn off the internet. This is very important. 
And I feel like the only way for you to actually listen to that and hear that is is, is for it to be presented to you in that way. It, it couldn't be presented as in, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, do you think maybe possibly it might be a good idea if you sometimes a little bit didn't use quite so much social media? That wouldn't work. You'd have to hear it from someone who you, you trusted had your well-being in mind and was strong enough to illustrate the importance of it to you. And then to say, well, turn off these things and then what do you do? Well, you do these positive things. You read your books. You do your journal and you learn to meditate. And you have someone to help you through your meditation because when you start meditating, it's going to be so neurotic and all your neuroses are going to come up, all your problems, all your traumas, all your mind mess, all your garbage is going to come up. You're going to have to work through that. You've been filling your mind with so much garbage that it's going to be a process for you to clean it out, for you to scrub that. There's a lot of scrubbing that has to happen. And even this stems over into your gym life. And you started going to the gym, which is really good, a very good habit. But I get the sense it's just another neurosis. It's another distraction, like a, like a, like a real tough, like, Ugh, trying to push something out. And that attitude also comes up in your relationships. It comes up in this sort of just uh, these 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 uh, tough comments these sharp snaps and that's why some people might say look why why are you being so horrible why do you have to be this way i just want to relax i just want to be nice and really it is as simple as can't we all just get along and the answer is no, we can't. Because there are so many problems that need to be fixed. There are so many things in you that aren't working. There are so many things that keep on coming up that hurt your inner world. And the sort of things, and, and like this is so, like when I really come back to myself and I put you aside and I, and I say, well, uh, like when I when I, I I can feel now like why am I going into this? Why why am I even contemplating this? It, it hurts just to contemplate. It's it's sad for me to contemplate it. Like I really feel the same sort of like I, like I feel the pain that you don't feel because you're distracting yourself, and it really hurts. I think why am I opening to this person? And then I come back to my own things and I think, well, wow, like compared to you, oh, like I must be some sort of, like I must be a genius, really. I must be some sort of mega, mega superstar of the inner world. Like I'm doing these advanced techniques. I'm doing these massive meditation things. I've got all these therapies. I've been through these psychologies. I've got these 
super complicated books of like integral theory and philosophy and and, and it's like oh like oh it's just it, it feels so far removed from that like the view from the peaks is so different from the valley it's 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 worlds it's multiple worlds apart and i don't mean to brag i really shouldn't brag it's really not for me to call myself uh, what did i call myself i hope i didn't call myself a god what whatever i was calling myself a genius a genius that's what i called myself look i'm really not a genius <laughs> in fact it really wouldn't take too much for you to get to where I am compared to a genius to, compared to a real genius you and me aren't that far apart compared to an actual gen- compared to an actual god and there are gods in this world there are geniuses in this world I'll grant that you and me aren't one of them but there are, there are geniuses out there. And compared to those people, well, you and me are only a few steps apart. Compared to those people, it won't take much for us to get on track. For us to really, like, 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 here's the thing is, are your problems, like, how big are your problems? And that's a trick question because your problems are big. They are very big. And there's, don't let anyone undermine that. Don't let anyone say, no, they're just small problems. You're never going to get through it with that attitude. That's not going to work. Pay respect to the size and depth and the gravity of your problems. That's the first step. Because as soon as you really put it into proportion, then you can change the context. It's really, really like if someone comes and says, well, your problems aren't that big. Just snap out of it. They're trying to, they're trying to reformulate how you view the problem or your relation to the problem. And In a sense, that's the right approach. But it's not the right approach because it misses a few steps. It's it's the right approach, but there's a few steps more that you need to do. And the first step is acknowledging how big the problem is. Because as soon as you respect it and you say how big it is, that's the first step towards saying, well, it's up to me and how I view it. And from there, you can work with changing how you feel about it. And really having an honest assessment of what's it going to take for this problem to be fixed. That's a good question. You've got a big problem. What's it going to take? Is it impossible? That might be, that might be a big realization for you. Have you ever actually said, honestly, and honestly really felt it, that, hey, this problem is impossible to fix? 
Maybe try saying that. Because I bet that if you say that whatever problem it is is impossible, you will hear a little voice in the back of your head that says, actually, you know what? I don't entirely believe that. And maybe you, you have to learn to listen to that voice. Maybe it's a very quiet voice. And maybe that voice is competing with the loud music in your car. And it's going to be some time before you hear it. But it's there. So this is no, by no means exhaustive of my advice to you. And I still feel it's not my place to give advice to you. And also, all of this is also considering that I don't even know much of the specifics of you. I really don't. I really don't know you that well. And it's only just going on what I see and what I've felt when I'm around you and how I've heard you talk to the people in your life. So I don't mean to be confronting and I do feel it's up to someone to be warm with you and to someone for someone to support you and for someone to help you and really I be, I believe in that there should be a world we should live in a world where those things are available I I really feel that it, it's a messed up world that you you don't get the help you need it should be as simple as walking around with a sign over your head saying, help me, and the help should come. And high quality help. And it should be free. And it should be abundant. And they should really know how to help you in a direct way, in an efficient way, and in a loving way. And maybe I'm saying this out of guilt. Maybe I feel guilty that I should have helped you. But I, 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 yeah, I don't really buy that. I don't feel like I've got a very strong sense of choose my battles. And I've got a very strong sense of live and let live or live and let die. Like I, I, I've had to build that into myself for what I do now. And, and I realize that I'm not going to help... Uh, I don't know if I can help anyone at this stage, to be honest. I don't know if I am helping anyone. So I am I really have to be uh, open or okay with not being successful in helping. And, and this, this word helping others, there's something that I, there's something that doesn't quite sit right with me. It's not my job to help others in that direct way. I really try and say, 
I, I really try and urge more on the side of, hey, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I like to do. Maybe you can try it too. So this is, it, th- this is why I never approached you. This is why I would, I would never say these to you directly, these things to you. And it doesn't, it doesn't really hurt me to, like, I don't carry this around so much with me. And, and like I said at the start, there was, there's also a sort of joy in the, or a, a cheekiness in the, the being the mysterious one. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a messed up. I don't, I don't know. It's not. I guess at some point I'm going to have to stand up and say, look, I'm here to help. If I, maybe if I was a real man, if I, maybe if I was more of a man, <laughs> then I would have more of that sort of attitude. And there have also been times that there is also that in me, sort of perhaps contradictingly, like I've reached a point where I say, no, this, this stuff does work and I am going to lay it out whether it's sort of, there's two sides of it. Like you can say, I'm going to put my stuff out there I'm going to put these words out there and it doesn't matter if I help anyone or not. Now, that can be taken two ways. It can be like, it doesn't matter if I help anyone or not. And, well, it actually turns out you don't help anyone and no one's listening. And then the other side of it is, well, I put it out whether it helps anyone or not. And then, well, it actually does help some people. So, you've inspired me to at least speak up in a strange sort of way. And I I will never bring these things up. I will always be a ghost to you. I will never say this to your face. I will carry these things with me. Until I no longer know you. Until we are no longer relating to each other. And I will remain as the ghost. And that's just the nature of you and me. And with me and someone else, it will be different. With me and someone else, I will not be a ghost. With me and someone else, I will be fully transparent. I will be seen in all my glory. All all of the magnificence will be undeniable. It will be astonishing. It will be overwhelming. It will just be a complete avalanche of beauty and whoever it is that receives that well whoa
So that's about all I have to say. I wish you well. Live and let live. And who knows, maybe you will dig yourself out. Maybe you will find the path. Maybe you will turn the snowball around. Maybe you will get the support you need. I, I don't know. I'd love to hear if you do, if that does happen. It's unlikely that I will. But I guess you're not the only one. There's a lot of people in this life. So I guess I just offer these words to you. And that's all I have to say for now.